All right, I have a message for you this morning. Actually, I changed it about a little less than 24 hours ago uh, because I just believe it has to do with the day and age that we're living in, even more clear now than I used to think. Over the years, I've done a lot of preaching and seen God do many remarkable things in people's lives. It's kind of cool. It's kind of awesome. But on the flip side of that, I've suffered some of the worst moments of dark despair of my life. And I'm sure that we all have gone through this. Bible even tells us that after you are illuminated, you suffer a great fight of affliction. Because the enemy does not want you to walk in the light of God, and he tries to rob you from that. And these great moments of despair and darkness a lot of times have come from personal disappointments or regrets, or what-ifs weighing on the heart of every decision you make. What if you would have done that, or what if you'd have been this? And even as you look at our world, because it's so easy when we see the entire world, and worse than that, the whole church, the church of this age, the American church, seemingly heading down the road of oblivion. I mean, it doesn't seem like no matter what happens that the church is waking up. It just doesn't to me at times. And it's easy to sink into despair. What can possibly we do? What can we do? Even programs like this, yes, they're a blessing, and it's awesome to see everybody come together and do it. But, Lord, the depth of sin and the morality is so deep now, far beyond a little attempt like this. And you can fall into a despair and... Your cry seems to be like, oh, God, it's impossible, the situation we're in. So, I want you to look into the Word of God, and this side might be a little difficult, but Job cried once. Job said this, Job 10, verse 18, wherefore then hast, wherefore then hast thou brought me forth out of the womb? Why on earth was I born? Is what Job was saying. Oh, that I had been given up to the ghost, and no eye hath seen me. In other words, it would have been better off if I was never born. I don't know if you've been this far into despair like Job probably have. Verse 19 says, I should have been as though I had not been. Job was in this deep black hole of despair. I should have been carried from the womb to the grave. The psalmist says this, O Lord God of hosts, how long wilt thou be angry against the prayer of thy people? Sometimes I've even mentioned that. God, how long? How long must we continue to wait and mourn and grieve over the condition of our nation and the church? And so you can fall into despair. But we have to remember something. We have to remember the word of God. That it is Jesus and Jesus himself who builds the church. It's Jesus who's the head, who said, And the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. Even though you might think and feel differently today as you look and sense, but God's word is still true. And God says, The gates of hell shall not prevail against her. God knows how bad things are. He has not forgotten us. He is not surprised or shocked at how far America has fallen or the church of America. We don't seem to have any strength towards sin, hardly any holiness left in us. 
But could it possibly be that just maybe he sees, the Lord sees this darkest of times as an opportunity? We tend to forget that we want everything sweet and and the flowers blooming and the bills paid and the sun shining all the time and say, isn't Christianity great? But God just could use this time of darkness to let his light shine in such a way that mankind has never seen before. Mankind in America for the last who knows how many years has really been drifting from God. And God now is cutting everything off and making it dark. In fact, even gross darkness for those who are out here will start to come to their senses like the prodigal and start their way back to God. Because programs like this, they are good and they're cool. We're going to still do it. We're going to keep taking our cuts to try to serve God. But we are way beyond no programs now. We need an actual move of God. An actual move. So I believe God has given me two words for you today, this morning, and these two words are certainly for me. First word is resolve. You're going to have to have resolve in these last days. Or the other word is despair. That's where we are. Resolve, I don't care, or despair. Oh, my goodness. That's where we are. That's where we are as a nation. Despair is defined as this. To lose all hope or confidence. To lose all hope or confidence, meaning this is it. We're done. It's over. All hope or confidence. And God is permitting this stuff. He wants you to lose hope in the elections. He wants you to lose hope in the financial world. He wants your hope only to be in him. So God is permitting this to happen. Hope. Uh, losing all hope uh, and despair to enter in. Resolve simply means free from doubt. Look, we have been the most doubting people ever. God wants us free from doubt. Resolve, this is it. Settle it. There is no other plan. Despair or resolve. This is where we are. It's down to these two words. Deuteronomy 30 verse 9 says this, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that both you and thy seed may live. God is saying to us, you must settle this. And you might have to settle it daily because our flesh is weak. We fall in despair and spit out of control quickly. At times, but times you just have to settle and say, I'm going to serve God no matter what. Or you will fall in despair if your hope is in the world or the next election or the next this or the next that or the stock market. It also seems at times as if I'm all alone. You ever feel that way? Just alone. Psalm 41.9, he said this, yes, my own familiar friend, not the person that I hardly ever knew. God's telling us, your own familiar friend in whom I trusted. Trusted means you can turn your back to them, you can leave your wallet laying in front of them, have, their, uh, have them, uh, your keys in their hand or your car, you can trust them. 
And David said, my own familiar friend in whom I've trusted, which did eat of my bread, had lifted up his heel against me. And you can fall in despair if something just doesn't go down right or your neighbor turns on you or a family member or your own familiar friend in whom you've trusted. You've got to have resolve in Christianity. you just got to have it or you'll be a byproduct. You'll be a shipwreck. It's just the way it is. You will be betrayed in Christianity because your Lord was betrayed. So, if you feel all alone, that's the way it is. You need to have the resolve. Hebrews 12, 26 tells us this, whose voice then shook the earth. God is shaking everything now. The heavens and the earth, he's shaking everything that we trusted Everything that we relied on, everything that we got our confidence from, he's shaking it now. So God is saying, I am shaking heaven and earth, everything right now, so that actually you and I will come back to him and realize he's truly only anchor that holds. We have 50 anchors sometimes. We get joy from sports. We get assurance from bank accounts. Or whatever it is, and God is just saying these anchors got to go so that you realize there's only one that you can trust. So it says, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, yet once more I shall shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Despair or resolve, which one will rule your life? And I have been ruled by despair at times. It It just seems to take over. You don't know where it comes from just grabs you, and then you're like, what on earth am I doing? Walk around in gloom and doom. In the midst of all this unsettledness that's going on in our nation, and even your personal moments of of dark despair or blackness, God is telling me to tell you, you are not alone. You're not That might not mean anything to your head, but I'm not speaking to your head. I'm speaking to your heart. Christianity is a heart relationship with God. God said, I'll never leave you alone. Now you've got to have you gotta have the resolve to believe that or the despair that goes on and says, Yeah, but you don't know. That's where you're gonna live. John 14, 18 tells us this. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not. I will come to you. Now, are you going to believe that? Even if you get up tomorrow and your job's gone out the window, you're going to, you're going to believe it. God, I'm going to believe it. You've got to have resolve. Resolve. Believing in the things of God. And you might be saying, I just don't know if I can't believe. Then you need to move those cards around that you've been dealt for the cards of life. Because what's in there? What's in there somewhere? There's the card of faith. God says, I've dealt to every one of you a measure of faith. And so you've got to find that card and play it. Yeah. We're not talking about sucking it up and getting a grip. We can't. There's nothing to suck up. There isn't anything there. We're just sinners saved by the mercy of God and asked to believe him 
And he's not even that. He says, I'll give you the faith to believe me. That's where we are. That's the resolve you got to have to believe in that God. Word comfortless. It means in a bereaved and desolate condition or as an orphan. I was going to have Lorraine stand up, but I think she, she's gone. Okay, because they just got back. How many have been praying for Lorraine over there in China? Uh, for the little daughter that they just got? An orphan over in China somewhere? What's the odds of her ever having a girl orphan in China? Girls aren't even wanted in China. God moves upon a couple here in America. I don't know what, 8,000 miles away? And now Piper's here in this church in the nursery being held by her new mom. God said, I will not leave you comfortless. I mean, that's just amazing. I can't wait till that girl comes to understanding and you can explain it to her. And like Madison, do you understand? No one wanted you and you were over in China, a non-Christian country who doesn't want girls. They don't want girls there. They want boys. They want men. They want that million-man army is what they want. Now they're now. Now they're here, saved, having saved parents here in America. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So comfortless means God says, I will not leave you comfortless. I don't care what kind of state you're in, what, uh, what you've been maybe just weeping last night. It doesn't matter. You must believe the word of God over your feelings because feelings lie to us. All the time they lie to us. Many of you have been serving God a long time. How many times the enemy tries to come and try to convince you you're not saved? You just don't feel right. My arm's up. I'm not trying. I'm telling you that's what happens. He's like, Gee. and sometimes I start to believe him. Resolve or despair. We're going to look at a desperate situation Found in Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar came in and took over everything. An ungodly king could care less about National Day of Prayer, could care less about the monuments, could care less about the Ten Commandments, could care less about Christianity. He comes in and takes over. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. In other words, big. Okay, it's huge. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the providences to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Anybody that who's who that has some type of authority over the people come to this dedication. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, and counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the providence were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, if you're just Joe's citizen, and you're reading this in the local newspaper, you'll be going, oh my gosh, what's happened to us? Wouldn't you be? They start pounding out some huge idol, and you're starting to understand as the uh, Fox News starts to report what's going on. You'd be going, what? What? 
And they herald a cry aloud to you. It is commanded, O people, nations, and languages. A new law coming to you and I. That at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, all these different instruments, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. Now, this stuff's not far-fetched. It's already happened. It's happened before. You remember when Saddam uh, had had his big image up and they were pulling it down? That's what these guys do. That's what they do, these dictators. So, verse 6 says, And whoso falleth not down and worship shall the same hour be cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Now, there's always an issue when you bring up stories that have been brought up so many times that you're just kind of like, mm-hmm, yeah, I know, I know, and they died, but he didn't die. And, but you understand, this is where America is. You are going to have your opportunity to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You and I are, because the furnace is being stoked, okay, and it's getting hotter, So it says, therefore, verse 7, at the time when all the people heard the sound of the cornet flute, all these musicians, all the people, the nations and the languages, fell down, worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, has set up. And it seems like at times even the church seems to be bowing down and running to everything that is wrong, putting their stamp of approval on things that are wrong. All the time, no matter what it is. Anything that is labeled sin in the Word of God is wrong for the church to be going, oh, we accept them no matter what. No! It's not a homosexuality thing. It's not. If, I mean, it's just not. If I find out you're um, up here playing, you ask everybody that comes up here, I tell them, when you walk up these three or four steps, it's a whole different tr- picture for you. A whole different scale. What are you doing there? Why are you there? And what's going on there? I want to know. I'm held accountable by God. And if you sing an amazing grace here and honky tonk over there, we got an issue. We just do. Yeah, while you're skipping into heaven saved, I'll be standing before God saying, why'd you let that go on? And I'm going, no, God, no. We can't have that go on. So when things do come to light, we have to sift through and see if it's okay or not okay. Because the church bows down to everything. But if you continue to read the story, you'll understand that God always uses his people to make a statement. He could light up the sky, but he doesn't. He tries to light you up with the anointing and the fire of God to take a stand. And the masses bow, and there's the three standing. Maybe their knees are smoking my wood. They'd be going chattering. You think it was my teeth? And I told you before, I might be that scarecrow on uh, Wizard of Oz, but as long as the power of God holds me up, I'll stand for him. Do you understand? I know if I have to stand in a situation like that, believe me, I will not be walking away and say, man, wasn't I bad in that moment? Wasn't I good? I'd be... I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. But God, if 
You've made me a free will, moral person. And even despite all my flaws and shortcomings and no backbone, I want to have resolve. God, if you want to hold someone up, hold me up, please. I don't want to fall in despair. So in the NIV, I'll read here a little bit, Daniel 3.16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, reply to the king. I mean, remember the guy in Ohio, Joe the plumber, just said a few words. I mean, it was all over the place in the news to uh, the then soon-to-be elected president about distributing wealth. Remember that little comment he made? You're going to walk up to Nebuchadnezzar? And you're going to say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this manner. No, they're standing. I don't know how many, maybe thousands are bowing. But these three guys are standing. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And if he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king, but even if he doesn't. This is where the American Christianity stops. What? He doesn't. He might not. Your blood might be required because of the name of Christ. Thousands and hundreds and millions have already died. But these guys stood up and said, man, I don't care whether we live or die. We're not bowing. We're not bowing down to this, nor should we. And I wonder how many pastors and preachers and churches and leaders were bowing down. So they said, and verse 20 says, And command some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Listen, the enemy will always tell you you should have left well enough alone. Just bow! Do your thing secretly. Just bow. Now you're dead meat. Anytime you try to stand for God, you always paint this picture that God's going to become running in his white steed with his night outfit on and scoop you up and save you and say, my boy. And when it doesn't happen, you fall into despair. But no. Could it be that God has called you to die for him? Could it be? Many have. I'm not saying you're going to, but I'm saying, look, you at least got to look at the word of God as truth for being true. If God calls me to do that, he'd have to give me everybody's grace in here to do it. But I think he will. The enemy will always tell you you should have left well enough alone. Now look what you've done. If you'd have just kept your big mouth shut like the others. I mean, you just being asked to do something like this. I know some of you had to run up huge hospital bills because of everything going wrong with your body and they can't find nothing out. You got to go have an MRI. You have an MRI, you're fine. Three weeks later, there's issues and stuff going on. You've got to have another one. You have another one. It's fine. And all the time saying, just spit in the enemy's eye, just spit in his eye, because he does not want you to do this. And it's true. We pray for your health. We pray for you to be better. But anytime you step out to do something from God, 
you better expect. Now, the sad thing, us Americans said, well, then I just won't step out. Well, then that's why we're in this situation we are in America. No one's been stepping out to do anything for God. Verse 21 says, So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothing were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's commandment was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took them up, killed them that threw them in. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Not a thing you can do. You're helpless. You're being carried by your circumstances. You can have resolve or despair. God, no matter what. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men we tied up and threw into the fire? That, uh, and they replied, oh, yes, absolutely, O oh, king. Certainly. Nebuchadnezzar tells us who this fourth person was. He says it himself, the Son of God. Jesus was literally with them in the worst of their trial. And if I remember the word right, God says he's no respecter of persons. So he's with you in the worst of your trial. Quit walking by feelings and goosebumps. Where's that at in the word of God? And the American church has tried to live off of goosebumps and hair up on the back of their neck. Nowhere in the Word. It'll leave you in despair. Because there'll be times you'll be totally alone. Your own friend turned their back on you. Betrayed you. And you're looking for hair on the back of your neck. Look, we don't know if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that the Son of God was there. I don't think the Word of God says anything. I don't know if we know that King Salt, we see that in the Word of God. Sometimes we aren't aware of the Lord's presence in our trials. That's why we usually moan and whine. We don't even have an inkling that God is walking through this flood with me or through this fire. But the word says, I will not leave you like an orphan. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. And you just play that card and you move, you move doubt and you move despair. You move the liar out of the way and you play it. No matter what, God, I believe you. I can't remember which one was it. Was it Polycarp that they tied to a stake and went to light the fire on him? And it kind of wouldn't die, so they stabbed him in the shoulder, and it says his blood poured out and put out the fire. And he didn't go up into the heaven. They ended up killing him. Apostle John, stories tell us they threw him in boiling oil. Boiling oil to, to do him in. He lived. God, I don't know what happened. I don't know if he swam around. I don't know what happened to him. All he knows, he says he lived because he ended up being thrown on the island and he wrote the book of Revelation. Do you understand there's not anything man can do if God still has use for you? Sometimes we're not even aware of the Lord's presence in our trials. But nevertheless, he's there because the word of God says he is. And so you 
have to now believe in that word. I know it seems like at times I'm just repeating different messages with different titles, but this is where we are. Despair or resolve. Because when they start building the image, whatever it's going to be here, one world government, I don't know what the image is going to actually be in America, and the laws are start being passed, and then they're going to tell you, hey, you've got to do this and do that and do that. And you know it's contrary to the word of God. You're going to bow or are you going to stand? Do you understand God is separating the goats from the sheep? You know, we had some critters walk down the aisle the other day. Uh, for our Friday night program, a little pony and some sheep went down, and someone said, they're not sheep. What are you talking about? They got wool. They got four feet. They, they said they're, they're goats. I said, oh, all right, whatever. Well, God separates them. They look same to me. Sheep on the right goats on the left, the wheat and the tares. God's doing it. He's taking the church. He's taking the church now. Because we know, when I was in the world, I didn't even ask, am I saved? I didn't even know what that meant. Understand? So it's in here. God throws his pitchfork in. He throws it up, and he's getting rid of the chaff. Verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, look at this, from total despair, where it seems like America is heading. Nebuchadnezzar the king, who made all these laws, says, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and uh, defiled the king's commandment and were willing to give up their lives rather than service of worship in any God except their own God. I mean, you hear the words from this unbeliever who was so angry. It said it showed on his face, fired up the furnace even hotter than it could handle. And now he's saying, oh my gosh, these guys, they stood up in the midst of, we need some Shadrach, Meshachs, and the Bendigos. I'm not telling you to go out and look for a fight, pick a fight. I'm, it'll come to you. You won't have to look for it. It'll come. Your time of bowing or standing will come. And it's up to God whether you're delivered or not. But you have to make the choice of being resolved to serve God or in despair. I wonder how much time went by before Judas went, what did I do? He walked up and kissed the Lord. The betrayal of betrayals. I wonder how long. Must not have been long because he went out there and did himself in. Over these three people, having resolved, please don't look at this as just some fairy tale story. Look what happened. I mean, this huge thing is up, and people are going, what are we going to do? And the pressure's on to bow. And then their children and their little children, and the ones you take back to nursery, you're going to be affected by what you do. And you're going to think, man, I just got to bow then. And everybody hits the deck, and out of the corner of your eyes, you're going, who's that? Who's that over there? Because of these three believers in God, 
who didn't care about their life. That's where we fail. We care too much about our life. He said, they trusted in him and defiled the king's commandment and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Verse 29. Do you understand? I understand the president we have. He's lost. He's lost. Okay? We know that National Day of Prayer, he sort of turned his back on that. He's not into that. We, everybody knows we don't have to make this some type of political statement. We just know that's where he is. We have the president that we deserve. I didn't vote for him, but we deserve him. We deserve. That's just the way it is. Look, read the Word of God. God says, I'll place him up and I'll take him down. I'll put him up and I'll put him down. You're going, hmm, who should I vote for? And God says, I'm putting him up and I'm putting him down. But he could get saved. He could become born again. He could. You're going, for Pete's sake. Man, you did. <laughs> How are you any better than him? You both were heading to hell. Right? I mean, it's, we're crazy how we think at times. He could get right with God. I mean, I'm not in any position that uh, obviously he's in, but when I got saved, I had a number of people calling our house. Is that true? It can't be. Is it possible? I, it, 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 no, he can't. Uh, yeah, it is. And I told you, I even drove all the way back to Pittsburgh to tell Mrs. Bittner, who was like my second mother, lived at her house as much as mine, growing up with her son, Billy. She was a little Presbyterian, always reading her Bible in her rocking chair. We'd be running through her house. I went back and saw her. Opened the door, Mrs. Bittner. And she was, is it true? (laughs) And I told her, I said, yeah, it's true. I said, not only that, the whole thing, whole ball of wax, Pentecostal. She went, that's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's stunned. Well, President Obama, the same thing could happen. Nebuchadnezzar, who would think he would be saved? Uh, Verse 29, he goes, therefore, I decree. He's making a law. Everyone's bent out of shape how this president tries to make his own laws. Well, maybe he can make this cool one. He says, therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. Then you'd be going, he's the greatest president ever. <laughs> Obama, Obama, Obama. We're fickle, aren't we? Yeah. We are a weird group. <laughs> we are. Oh, my gosh. So, Obama, he's going to cut everybody into pieces. And it says, and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. Oh, my gosh. For no other God can save in this way. From total despair, it's over, we're abandoned, God's nowhere, the music sounds, you come out of your house and start to... So someone say, 
headlines, flash, Obama gets saved. The amount of doubt you can feel just by saying that shows us our limited supply of belief in the Word of God. Without God, you're as guilty as the next one. Your sin, Geiger counter, would go off for you too. Does it matter if you go to hell way here or you go to hell there? It's going to hell. From despair to victory instantly. I mean, this is greatness. Just absolutely great what God can do. Total despair to victory instantly. Look, it's always the darkest right before the dawn. Always. Being in hell, I can't even imagine how awful that might be or how awful it will be. But being in, the hell, being in hell, giving up minutes before dawn and suffering with that for eternity, I knew it! And you give in to despair. If it costs our home, it takes our home. When God rearranges the earth, your home's gone anyway. It's gone. Why give your soul up to despair? Despair is powerful. So we cannot give up. And we cannot give in. We have to settle it. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take a few moments and settle it. Because I've felt despair creeping in. It never gives up. Do you understand? It never gives up. I can smash it and I can kick it, throw it out the door, but somehow it seems to find a sliver, a crack, like cold wind in the winter creeping into my house. And if I don't catch it, I'm going, oh my gosh, what's it matter? And it gets me again. And you have to settle this thing before God. I want to do it again today. God, no matter what, live or die, I'm the Lord's. Because I am living now, and I will die. I want to be the Lord's. Let's stand. We're on some sweet music, and here's what we're going to do. Don't take this time for granted. Just don't fluff it off, because we don't, I don't think we really understand the power of taking some time and going to God and saying, God, please, please, Lord. Come down and tell God, God, I have no confidence in myself. And if you can't say that, you have other issues you need to ask God. You can't, you cannot have confidence in yourself. Your confidence needs to be in the Word of God. Your confidence in the Lord, your assurance in God, in the Word of God. God in you, that He will keep you. Even though everything in you wants to fall, He'll keep you standing. Your confidence in Him, no matter how bleak and despair, and if they start the image tomorrow, read an article um, President Obama supposedly is saying he's going to give uh, the Jews over in Jerusalem, Israel, through 2014. And if they don't do something, he's going to force them to let the Palestinians in. 
You understand the Jews are what? And that's just the way it is. Just as a godly wife will suffer from an ungodly husband she's married to, we will suffer. So we have opportunity now, again, today, to take a few moments and say, God, I don't know what's coming down the pike. All I know, God, is I have no confidence in me. My confidence is in you, Lord. Lord, help me to see the word of God like I never have before. Lord, let it be more than my necessary food, God, to sustain me and to keep me so that I don't get swept away with the evil in the image that might be coming soon. Please, God. That'll be the best thing for your grandchild, grandchildren. Have some music, Michael. Our altars are open. Please make a way down. Spend some time with God. Ask God for his help. Even you have to say, God, I believe, but help my unbelief, Lord. Oh, I fall into this over and over. God knows. He knows you and I are but dust. In our best state, the Bible says, we're vanity, which is void, which is emptiness. He knows that. But he also has given you a free will, and you're exercising it right now. You're coming down and saying, God, with my free will, I'm coming to rely on you, to trust you, to give you my life. Again, making that commitment. Help me to stand, Lord. Give me those hinds feet. Mountains getting steep. Hinds feet, Lord. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, you've got to just ask him. You're the key. You're the one he gave the free moral choice. You choose to get up this morning. You can choose God this morning. But you got to come down and just say, God, help me. Help me, Lord. I surrender my life to you, God.